0: You know, I deliberated for a while on if this one deserves lamentation status. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? No. No. There's... This, this is a st- stupid episode. Really, really stupid episode. It is buoyed somewhat by the presence of Dwight Schultz, who is an excellent job as always, some surprisingly good performance by people, a surprisingly good director's job. I'll talk about that in a second. And uh well that's actually it. That's <laughs> and like the first I don't know, five minutes of the episode, which are surprisingly good. But the whole thing is just huh? Okay, let's let's start from the top Okay, so this is the last uh, TNG appearance of Barclay, which sucks. But at the same time, at least we'll be seeing him in the future. He shows up in six episodes of Voyager, which I've kind of already covered. Although, fingers crossed for... One of these days, I need to just set up a poll. Do you want me to cover Voyager again? You know, with, with a more modern perspective and, you know, actual production values. You know, now that I have an actual studio and everything, just it, food for thought. If you feel like sharing, feel free to share in the comments. I'd love to know your thoughts. Anyways, but yeah, he'll be showing up in Voyager, and he'll be showing up in First Contact, but this is the end of Barkley for TNG. Uh, this is also... <sighs> okay, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to say this. You remember how... I bring up the discontinuity between what the creators think of the work and what we think of the work. If I bring up the episode Genesis to just about any of my friends, they'll be like, "Oh my god, that episode." Ugh. In fact, I'd be I I'm guessing right now and feel free to share in the comments. Several of you are actually upset with me or disagree with me thinking this is lamentation worthy. And and I'm I'm not even really going to argue against it even though I've already made my judgment on the matter. It's just I could see it, right? Virtually every interview from all the people involved in this spoke positively about the episode What (laughs) Why of all episodes to praise Genesis In fact, it actually got good reviews when it came out, which is just what Uh, hang on There's this one. I need to share it. Where is it? There's this quote. I've got to share with you Here it is Ronald D. Moore I think Genesis is classic Star Trek. It's right to the spirit of the original series to have everyone on the ship start to become animals. It's very high concept and can only have been written by Brannon. Anyways. Okay, sure. Do any of you like this episode? Like, no judgment. I hate it, but you know, I'm not I'm not gonna judge you if you like it, so feel free to share. I'm actually curious. Um I mentioned directing. This is the only episode of all of Star Trek directed by Gates McFadden. It's also the first episode where one of the... So they do a rotating thing of the the cast members to get directing jobs, right? And I've talked about that bit by bit when Frake started to become a director, when Stewart was directing. I talked about that a bunch over on Voyager. I've talked about that on DS9. This is the first time any of the females actually got a shot at the job. I don't want to cry sexism, but this is also the Rick Berman era, who is a uh, very well-known, I guess misogynist is the most clinical way I could put that. So, part of that, I'm sure. Which is a damn shame, because the directing of this episode is actually quite good. I've seen better, don't mistake me, but for her first gig, she did a really good job with this one. In fact, one of the things that several actors all commented on was the fact that because she had so much choreography experience, because she's worked as a theatrical choreographer, she actually helped a lot of the actors in how exactly they should move when they were in their animal forms. And she did a really good job, in my opinion. Um, the, the, the big examples off the top of my head are Worf, of course, in his rah, rah, rah form rawr rawr form, Riker as the, pro, as the Cro-Magnon, Barkley as the spider thing, and there's another one, but I can't think of it. Oh, Troy as the, as the amphibian. All of them, they, they do some really nice minor touches, which, if you're, especially if you're paying attention, you'll notice, that really does add to the performance, rather than a Starfleet officer in a fish outfit, you know? So definite props on the directing side of things. <sighs> um. But, admittedly, that's one of the best aspects of the episode, which is really sad. Did you know the original episode idea? Wasn't this? It was going to be Barclays. Troy Crusher fiddles with the jeans and now everyone's being converted into uh, other Barclays. Now, what's most interesting about this idea to me is that, obviously, from a technical perspective, pulling that off would be insane. Even having two Barclays, two Dwight Schultzes on the screen at the same time is a a thing. This this era of television, we we saw that back in Brothers. Having three Brent Spiner's on screen at once was just, it was a horrendous thing. So I could see why they wouldn't want to do that from a technical perspective. What I want to know is, if we assume that the technical issues are just kind of solved, so the special effects thing is dealt with, would you prefer the Barclay thing or the random animals thing that we got? I'm actually quite curious. Let me know in the comments. So, Barkley is, of course, self-diagnosing. Like you do. I... (laughs) Of all the things that people say Star Trek has predicted, that's the one that has stuck with me the most. Self, self-diagnosis using the internet, because what he does is exactly what I've seen people do without irony or joking. I'm sure you've seen memes about it, but no, I've, I've seen people really go and be like, oh my god, I've got Freclerian Death Rargan, or whatever. <sighs> Meanwhile, Ogawa's pregnant. That relationship moved fast. Or she was already pregnant. I do like data offering to help, by the way. And this this cuts off the teaser, the cold open. This might actually be the second weirdest teaser I've ever seen in Star Trek. The first would be back in Season 2, uh, the one where the teaser ends with Worf collapsing from some kind of illness that has nothing to do with anything. This teaser is Riker was, it's it's basically a joke teaser. It's it's all humorous light com- ha- comedy. Ha ha, Barclay's self-diagnosing. He's freaking out over nothing. Oh, is pregnant, so that's awesome. The cat's having kittens, so that's adorable. And Riker, ha, he got spines in his back because he was flirting with some random tactical officer. Ha ha ha, right? So it's all lighter. Boom, cut to credits. What? The only thing this teaser actually tells us is that Barclay's in the episode. And that's it. Everything else is stuff we can presume with the advantage of hindsight, but if you're watching the episode for the first time, that's it. That's all you got. So, then Worf goes to show off his new targeting system that he himself has enhanced, and then he fails at it hard. This is a really, really weak part of the episode. It's actually necessary, because it's the reason that Data and Picard are away from the ship when everything goes down. But it's really stupid, and it's also really dumb that they decide to send the captain and the only super amazing android in the entire fleet off in a Type 2 shuttle, or type, excuse me, Type 6 shuttle, in order to go out and find this torpedo in an asteroid field for days. They, they, they're gone for three days, by the way. There, there is no logic whatsoever in this decision that they do. None. The only reason... This is because plot at its finest. And you can already see why the episode is just falling apart. We're, we're at, like, the five-minute mark. The episode's just starting to just fall apart in its script. Because, uh... Oh, yeah, by the way, I should probably mention that uh, Braga was writing this basically while he was also writing All Good Things. And it freaking shows. Because this is terrible. So, okay. Dumb because plot reason. Gotta get them off the ship. Okay, sure, whatever. So they go away. Uh, Worf, of course, he's a failure on top of a failure on top of a failure. I counted three failures there uh, in order to make sure everything just goes incredibly as wrong as possible. Uh, Then Spot, we find out that Spot's been escaping from her quarters because Spot's a she now. And uh, I'd love to know how the hell a cat manages that. (laughs) At at least, unless, unless Data wants her to get out. Because Data, superhuman reflexes, etc. I'm pretty sure he can catch a cat. Then there's the fact that Spot, in addition to escaping into the hallways, has managed to have sex with one of the other cats on the... on the. What exactly is the policy for pets? Like, you know how condos... I've always ta- called the galaxy, uh, you know, the apartment complex in space, right? So, what is the policy on having pets? And how much do you have to police them? And how much... How did it it, it, get, it getting out of Data's quarters is hard enough. How did it get into someone else's quarters? And then, in the quarters, anyways, moving on. So, we're at about the nine minute mark. The episode's already stupid. Twice, if you're paying attention. But it's mostly just lighthearted filler fluff. So, okay, whatever. Then the episode immediately loses me. Because what happens... Is they decide to show us everything going wrong as it's going wrong. You can see that uh, Bra- Braga, who also brought us the excellent episode Timescape, which was also very stupid, but much better presented, uh, has decided to do the exact opposite. And you know, I, I did it did the whole suspension of, you know, uh, disp- it's suspension of mystery and the, the building of suspense thing. But no, 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 no. Let's just show you everything going wrong as it goes wrong. That'll completely destroy any sense of mystery the episode has. Ding! So, uh, Worf immediately, and I do mean immediately. Like, it's the next scene. Worf is like, oh, I hate everything. Oh, you're right, I should go to Ten Forward and eat. Nom, 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 I'm going to be really gross and get stuff all over my lips. Seriously, if you're watching the episode again, he Dorn keeps getting stuff all over his lips. It's really gross. I'm sure he was directed to be that gross. Meanwhile, Troy desperately wants lots and lots of water and salt. Sure. You know, this is going to sound horrible, but this episode might have been a little, a little more believable if it was a season one episode. When these people didn't really know each other yet, and didn't really have a lot of experience with this kind of thing yet. Because... The moment anybody started having, oh no, we're being affected by something signs, they should have immediately been on top of that. Because this is freaking Star Trek, The Enterprise, TNG, Season 7. They're really accustomed to this by this point in time. I've, I've kind of ranted about this before. In fact, it's one of my most, it probably I'd say the second thing that pisses me off most in all of Star Trek. And it's the, hey, they're obviously acting differently because they're being mind-controlled or mind-affected, and we're just going to act like it's nothing. Because that's what they do. The first time they ever start to wig out at all is when Troy comes in much, much later in the episode, complaining about how terribly cold it is. And they scan her and see her body temperature, so it's clear there's a virus. Not the fact that anyone's acting weird. (sighs) So, then Worf uh, goes to his quarters and starts fluffing up all the stuff, because, I mean, that's just got to be much more comfortable, right? I'm not even going to go into that. Let's just move on barkley is of course super hoiper because naturally i actually have to give credit to dwight schultz he does he does a lot of good stuff with his body language in this episode and he does help salvage it a little bit there's this bit you can not even barely see it it's the last scene he's really in uh, before we see him as a spider before we cut away to picard and data and he's leaving through from the the meeting room and he's doing this really interesting thing as he's moving And it's actually really well done. And again, credit to Gates McFadden for the directing. Because the way he's moving is as if there's another arm that should be helping to stabilize him against the wall. There's not, of course. So instead, this arm is just kind of dangling here, waiting for a support that isn't happening. It's a really minor touch, but it's good stuff. Anyway, so. Barclay's hyper. Riker's slow and having trouble concentrating You know, this is the second time in a row that something has affected the crew, and Riker's reaction is basically just to be a little bit slow. Naked now? Yeah, anyways. So, uh, this then leads to Troy messing with the environmental controls, and I mean a lot. He mentions it's the third time she's raised the temperature. No one thinks that's unusual. No one thinks to be like, hey, maybe, maybe just, maybe something's wrong with you and not the ship. Maybe you should go see the doctor. I mean, even if you don't think something's affecting you, maybe the fact that you're freezing at normal temperature means you, you probably want to get some medical help. No, 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 that would make too much sense. Instead, uh, what we have is we cut to Riker being very, very dumb. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. <laughs> and then we cut to Wharf. Who just walks in on Troy taking a bath, by the way. I just made fun back in masks how little security they have. Worf just walks in on a woman taking a bath. I know they're kind of dating right now. Not really. Like, there's this really vague they're kind of dating, not really dating thing that actually goes through to all good things. And... So I guess he would have access. Like, do they have a thing for that? Can they set, like, access levels? You know, certain people can just walk in and certain people can't and they need to ask for permission. Do they just require etiquette? I I don't know. I'm just curious because, actually, I think that would be a cool thing to design, you know. Set up a system where it's like, you know, okay, I'm putting you on my... I mean, we have that in MMOs, for God's sakes. I'm not even kidding. We have that in MMOs going back a decade and a half. Anybody ever play Asheron's Call? in several MMOs with housing systems, uh, Lotro Lord, is another good example of this, you can set it so that there's a list of people who can just walk into your house, and then there's a list of people who can interact with the stuff in your house, and then there's the list of people who can actually just take stuff and move around stuff in your house as if it was their house, you know, full access to your chest. It's not that hard of a system to set up, so I'd I like to think the Galaxy has a, has has that set up. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Either way... We then cut to the thing where we find out that this is a virus. And Crusher decides to ask Worf, who is non-responsive and violent, to open his mouth after discovering something she flat out calls a venom sack. Now, in in, in fairness, Gates McFadden does an excellent job of acting like she just got sprayed in the face with acid. Because that's basically what happened. But the reason that actually happens is so that Gates McFadden can basically be written out of the episode so that she can then focus on directing. I thought about tearing apart the premise of the episode. I've decided to let smarter people do it for me. <clears throat> uh, there's a confusing discrepancy in the episode. The entity causing the process of de-evolution is sometimes referred to as a virus and sometimes a T-cell, but T-cells are a type of white blood cell in the human immune system that could not be transmitted from one individual to, or to another except by a blood transfusion. Viruses, however, make much more sense, so it's probably supposed to be a virus. Okay, that's a minor nitpick. We're cool with that. Uh, Here's another one. Interons are not evolutionary holdovers, as data calls them. They're sequences in genes that are cut out after the cell has transcribed that gene into a protein. Therefore, there is no selection pressure on these selections of DNA. This means it will not harm the animal or plant, for that matter, if they are changed or mutated over time. These sections of DNA have the highest probability of being the most different and changed from the original. They would not stay the same and still hold the codes for reptilian or amphibian proteins. If your interons were turned all on all of a sudden, you would probably die. You would not turn into something that had previously lived on Earth. In all likelihood, you would turn into some form of monster that had never been seen before. I'll, I'm, not, I'm actually going to leave the second one here. Or excuse me, the third one because I have another thought on this matter <clears throat> of mine own. But I just wanted to share that because I know this is Star Trek, but when you try to describe your nonsense, technically speaking, maybe you should do some actual work and research and figuring out how the things you're describing work. Otherwise, you'll be Voyager. So, <clears throat> cut to Data and Picard. Actually, hang on. First, got to have one more thing with the heartbeat. Heartbeat. Then we cut to data and Picard. And uh we find out that they've been out in a shuttle for three days. I want you to actually picture that for a second. I want you to picture three days of your life spent in a small shuttle with with like no amenities or comforts. Just scanning around and looking. <laughs> I, I know this is a minor detail to point out, but it just really helps to emphasize how stupid this decision was and how stupid this plot point is. So, they come back. Credit where credit is due. The shot of the spinning Enterprise actually looks really cool. And they even talk about having to adjust the attitude in order to, you know, match it. That, that's, that's cool. I like that. Good job. Um, Here's the problem. So they get on board the ship, and nothing's working. Main power's off. The, the doors aren't working. That's actually a repeating thing that just keeps out. the doors don't work right. Um, the, the, the consoles are flickering. Some of the lights are flickering on and off. Why? <laughs> Why is any of this happening? Like I know I know. The reason is so that it has the horror movie vibe, but practically and logically speaking, there's no reason for the ship to have deteriorated this badly in three days at all, but in addendum to that, there's no reason for these specific problems to be happening, given the circumstances. (sighs) I should probably point out that despite the fact that the ship looks like someone took a tornado through it, everything will be perfectly back to normal by the end of the episode. I'll get, I want to get back to that point, so let's just shelve that for now. So they come on board, doors aren't working, consoles are flickering, Riker literally has has grown a thick skull. This is one I want to talk about, Pokemon. You ever play Pokemon? It's a good game. I like it. Uh, I've liked it since Gen 2, actually. I didn't like Gen 1 that much, but Gen 2, that's what caught me. It was fun. Uh, I played Silver originally, and uh, it was good, and I loved it, and I got into the competitive scene. And Okay, I'll stop, I'll stop going on. Here's the, here's, here's the thing. Uh, we are not Pokemon. Okay? We do not suddenly evolve into a completely new thing. We don't just suddenly absorb mass and grow gills and an exoskeleton and a bunch of hair. Okay, we don't suddenly have pincers growing out of our face because of the fact that a few genes have been turned on. We are not Pokemon! I'm not even going to get into the fact that the very usage of the word evolution in this case is actually inaccurate. Let's, let's just leave that one at the door. I've complained about that one before. They like to say evolved when what they mean is mutated. But let's... let's I, I said I wouldn't get into it. I just lied. I'm sorry. Point being, Riker... I, I just listed everything. Okay, I want you to keep that in mind, okay? Riker gets literally a thicker skull. No, no no joke. His skull gets thicker. Deanna grows gills. Worf gets an exoskeleton. Barkley gets the pinchers and claws. Ogawa gets the fur. Okay, keep all that in mind? Cool, moving on. So then Data says, I've, I've figured out the plot. It's some really stupid thing that we've already seen because we saw it happening. This is the problem. This is why this is the exact opposite of Timescape, because, or the inverse, excuse me, of Timescape, because Timescape allowed us to find out the mystery as the characters found it out. Here, we already know the mystery's solution, so we're just kind of waiting for the characters to catch up to where we're already at, and that's not really that engaging television. If you wanted to do it that way, you should have either sent off data by himself, or don't send anyone off and just have the whole thing devolve as we go, and then we fix the problem without the mystery thing. That's just eject the mystery idea because it's not much of a mystery when you've already told us the answer. So then data decides to go to his quarters because it's, it's, because, because he needs to find a uh, spot. This, this is because plot no really this is because plot they have to go there to find spot to find the solution for the virus okay cool um the problem is the excuse in this case is well my computer is separate from the network it's got independent power and it's off the network okay cool cool is data's computer in his personal quarters that he personally says the only one not on the lan i know that starfleet is uh, incompetent often but i cannot possibly believe that they have no other computers that are off, that are off the network both physically in terms of the power and literally in terms of the the connection i mean you you can't you can't tell me that especially since this ship has this exact specific ship has already had issues with viruses before plural <sighs> So they go there and they find spot who is 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 a lizard now, sure, but has a really adorable kid getting their super cute and then um, we cut forward to ogawa see here's here's the interesting thing. Ogawa mentioned at the beating up episode she was pregnant okay that 's a good Chekhov's gun um, what if she hadn't been i mean what were they what was their battle plan if ogawa hadn't been pregnant, because then they, uh, well, well, then they're screwed, basically. Also, they insist they can't use Spot. They have to use Ogawa, which is also because plot. The reason they give this is because only humanoid, uh, maternal juice, I forget what they call it, is going to work. Now, that's already demonstrably not true. You know why? Because Spot's a lizard. Spot is not humanoid. She's a cat. And yet somehow it affected her. And also a lot of races that aren't human, but let's not get into that. So, they insist they need Ogawa. Why? Well, that way they'll have the last action sequence with Worf and Troy. Because we need to have one last action thing. Because, by God, we need to have a Threat of the Week or it's not an episode of Star Trek. It can't be enough that we're trying to fix this horrific mutation that's been affecting the entire crew, can we? No, no, instead we need to go there and find Ogawa and be like, oh yeah, she's total pregos, Cool. <sighs> then we have the jump scare with Barkley, because of course we freaking do, there's even webs on the engineering, oh my god. And then, okay, earlier in the episode, there's this bit with Geordi and Barkley come in to Dumb Riker and say, hey, we, I'm, I've got like five security teams after Worf, but we can't find him for some reason. The sensors can't detect him. I'm I, I just bringing this up because the very next thing that happens is Data, it, you know, now in the present, Data pulls out a tricorder and says, I'm detecting a Klingon. It has Klingon life signs. He has no problem scanning it with a tricorder. Now you're probably thinking, Lore, what are you doing? I'm pointing out holes in the plot. That's what I'm doing. Because that's the problem. This episode, I, I know this is going to sound strange. Genesis is not an episode where there's just one thing wrong. Genesis is an episode where there's like 50 things wrong, and I'm trying to point them all out. Brush strokes. I'm trying to paint the picture of how bad this episode is. Maybe I should have given this lamentation status. Jeez. I don't know, man. Maybe I should change my mind. Like, I've already done the background. Like, I'm not not changing that, but I I could change my mind on lamenting this one. Uh, So... So they do the jump scare with Barkley. I'm not even going to get into the fact that spiders have absolutely nothing to do with humans. Let's just, let's just walk away from that. Oh, also, this is another one that I got here. This is great. So Picard is turning into, uh, let's see here, a pygmy marmoset, which uh, is described in the book Mammals of the World as brave and resists aggression. Huh. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, should I even ask exactly what happened with Spot? Why did Spot turn into a... You know what, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to do it. Although I do have another interesting question for you. Earlier in the episode, before they find Riker, actually, they see uh, Ensign Dern, who's on the bridge. He was kind of like a one-off. He had a few lines of dialogue. And he's super dead. First of all, I want you to remember that, because that's going to come up later. But second of all, I I saw that, and I was like, oh my god, what if that had been Lavelle? That would be so horrible, wouldn't it? I like—I don't actually want that to happen, but I made this big deal about how Lower Decks treated a you know a, a red shirt death seriously, and made Cedo's death actually matter for for multiple minutes and multiple chunks of the episode. It was awesome, right? Imagine if Lavelle, the other guy from Lower Decks, just dies—just he's dead—and well, spoiler alert: at the end of the episode, no one gives a damn. But I'm, I'll, I'll rant about the end of the episode in just a second. So Data Scans Worf without issue. Picard is all afraid. He's got to get to Troy's mate, because apparently she's his mate, and blah, 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 blah. And Picard starts luring him away. That's very brave. Good acting, uh, actually. Pic- Patrick Stewart does a good job with his role, and you could tell his movements. Again, the whole uh, Gates McFadden directing thing. Movements are good. He, he charges off. And... Um, I, I kid you not, I actually forgot this scene was in the episode. I, I, I implore at least some of you to, like, watch the latter, like, 10, 15 minutes of the episode. I should have written down a timestamp. But there's this bit where Data is experimenting with Ogawa. And she's laying there. She's in full monkey makeup. I, I mean, she's fully an ape at this point in time. So she's, like, an, an ape laying there on the bed. And he's, like, fiddling with stuff. And then it cuts away to Picard... And then seconds later, it cuts back. And the way these scenes are being shot, there's no montage here. These are this is happening concurrently. So in a space of seconds, uh, we cut back to Ogawa. She's perfectly back to normal. She's human again. There's not even fur on like like this would have made a little more sense. But there's not even fur on the uh, on the bed she's on. Like it didn't just fall off. It's gone. <laughs> What? Uh, huh? The episode flat out shows that. That's also important because, as they mentioned towards the end of the episode, uh, nobody needs reconstructive surgery or anything. Distributing this virus into the air just makes everyone revert back to normal. You remember that list I made earlier? Ogawa's fur. Larger skull for Riker. Frickin' spider things for Barkley gills and you know different eyes and skin for Troy and a uh, different body temperature which is actually more important than all the superficial stuff oh and also a freaking exoskeleton f- for Worf it all just kind of whoosh, magics away and leaves the scent of fresh pine and the end of the episode ends on a frickin' joke the episode ends with a wah-wah just like a season one episode you remember Edson Dern the guy who frickin' died who was killed by the rampaging wharf. I remember him. Also, the ship's fine. Shazam! Everything's great. Power outage? No, we're fine. No, everything's cool. Everything looks perfectly back to normal. What? Some of you may remember I did a rumination. Excuse me, a lamentation. It was my first... Well, it was actually my second. It was my first real lamentation ever. It was on the episode Threshold. And one of the things that, that just. The, 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 everything about that episode pissed me off. That was another one of those, you know, 50 things wrong with it kind of deals. But the thing that just was the final th- flipping me off at the end of the episode, <laughs> right at the end there, was, oh, everyone's fine. Like they find. They find Janeway, they find Paris, and they're back to normal. No side effects, no, no consequences whatsoever from being turned into a salamander. And that's the final point I wanted to end on here. I have... I started off... I, 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 it probably looks like I planned this. I didn't. I don't. That's not how I do things. I don't really look ahead on episodes. I do a little bit of loose season-wide... Uh, behind-the-scenes look. You know, I want to know who's being worked on what, where. It helps to give some perspective on why things happen the way they do. But I don't really look into an individual episode until I'm at that episode. It started off as a joke for me. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Season 7, the beginning of Voyager. It's not a joke anymore. They literally hit the reset button, just like in Voyager, here in this episode. And this is not the first or the last time that this kind of voyageritis problem is going to be propagated through Season 7 of TNG. What the hell? And I think I have successfully argued myself into Lamentation Steps. I hate to do that because I, I, I like to do the flame and the setup and move, you know, move the camera over there. But this is a terrible episode. It is, it is salvaged by the first nine minutes, I did actually write down that time, so the first nine minutes, and some legitimately good directing and, and motion acting, but this is a, just an absolutely terrible episode that left me with a bad taste in my mouth and actually pissed me off multiple times for multiple reasons. Oh, and by the way, Justice back in Season 1 is totally a lamentation in hindsight. I was just using a slightly different method of judging it back then. Because it was kind of a new thing, you know. I like Originally, there was just supposed to be one lamentation per show. That's why there's only one lamentation in Voyager. So I was walking into TNG thinking, okay, there's only one lamentation. And then like as I started going, I was like, well, hang on. <laughs> now it's just a qualifier. It just, it, it's just, it's, you know, the bottom of the barrel, the, the skip list, you know. Oh, I'm never watching this episode again. There we go. Okay. I I can't believe... I'm sorry. i got to share this. I I can't even stop ranting about this episode. Check this out. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Most of our time was spent with Michael Westmore, says Jerry Taylor. We knew this episode would rise or fall on the basis of the makeup, yet... Uh, Marina's willingness to go bizarre she did is completely away from the glamour and it was remarkably bold for an actor and watching Schultz do his impersonation of a spider running through the Ops Lounge was worth the price of admission and Riker getting progressively stupider was delightful stuff. Um, I already mentioned the Ronald D. Moore quote earlier. Like, what is this crap? I, I, I thought it would be fun to make Barkley a spider because I can't imagine anything more awful to become. It just seemed natural since he's kind of a nervous and wiry guy. Maybe he had more arachnid ancestors than the other ones. Who, knew, who knows why we are the way we are today. Yeah. um, Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Just just word of advice for the future. I hope you've at least enjoyed my rants about this episode. I'll see you next time, guys.